0: Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. Welcome back to the Safer Chemicals podcast. I'm Adam Elwan, and today I'm joined by the chair of our risk assessment committee, Roberto Scazzola, and the chair of our socioeconomic analysis committee, Maria Otati. Both committees give scientific opinions that guide the European Commission and EU countries when taking decisions to regulate chemical risks effectively. Now, Roberto and Maria have just finished their December meetings, and we have some interesting topics to talk about. They'll be updating us on what kind of comments we receive from the public on the universal PFAS restriction proposal, so very interesting topic there. And we'll also talk with Roberto about tea tree oil, which the Risk Assessment Committee is recommending to classify as toxic to reproduction, so suspected of damaging fertility. Good to
1: have you both here again. Always a pleasure being here with you and with our listeners.
2: Thank you very much for inviting us, indeed, a pleasure.
0: All right, so let's go straight in with PFAS. So this is the proposed restriction of approximately 10,000 PFAS in the EU and EEA, um, and it's there to address their persistent nature, so contaminating water sources and causing toxic accumulation in humans, animals, and plants. Um, With potential health risks and widespread release from industrial and consumer uses, this proposal was led by Denmark, Germany, the Netherlands, Norway, and Sweden, and it's now under evaluation by our committees. Once the committee's opinions are adopted, the final decision on the restriction will then be taken by the Commission, together with EU member states. Now, the consultation on the proposed restriction closed already in September. Um, The committees were given an overview of the over 5,600 comments received from the public. Um, How would you summarize what we got in the comments?
2: Well, what we got was a record number of comments. Uh, so the previous restriction that had the highest number of comments was microplastics, and there we had just under five hundred. So. Here, where we got 5,642, as you can see, that's quite a lot more. Uh, These comments came from uh, about 4,400 organizations, companies, and individuals. Of course, you can submit more than one comment, and that's what happened. Uh, And uh, you can have a look at these comments, the ones that are not confidential, that are all published on our website. It's important to note that it's not just the number of comments themselves, but the comments quite often include attachments. And we received actually about uh, 6,400 attachments. And uh, these are not, uh, you know, in in many cases, small attachments. We've got about uh, more than We've got more than 100,000 pages in all to analyze, so quite a lot of information there for us to consider and for the, the, the national authorities to consider. Um, and what I can say is that uh, so far, the ECA staff have pre-screened the comments, and uh, this is to help the committees and the five national authorities uh, analyze them properly. So the idea is that... Um, In order to analyze comments related to one particular sector that they're now able to find them very easily and to find all the relevant information without a problem, thanks to the pre-screening.
0: Okay, so really a lot of input then, record-breaking numbers. Um, And also good for our listeners to know that these can be found, uh, at least the non-confidential ones can be found on our website. Um, Can you tell us where these comments came from? I mean, what kind of sectors are we talking about? Which countries?
1: Sure, Adam. I think I can cover this, and uh, this is a clear uh, sign of interest that uh, many parties expressed. When it goes to the, the kind of comments that we received, they were from the sectors related to electronics and semiconductor. We had also transport, energy, medical devices, and fluorinated gas sectors, like in refrigeration. So there is a quite wide variety. When it goes to the distribution, I think it's relatively even between Europe and non-European countries, maybe with the exception of food content materials, packaging and medical devices, and maybe also construction products, where more European comments were received than the rest of the world.
0: All right. And in, in broad terms, what did the comments cover?
2: Over half of them actually contained information that was about the technical function of of PFAS in applications and also information about alternatives. These are topics that are always important in restriction. And in this one, they are particularly key because of the way that the proposal has been constructed. So lots of information there there to digest. And uh, a lot of the comments also were um, providing information about derogations which is a topic that is particularly important to the people who commented. Um, Then we are able to have a look at different uh, sectors and see the type of information that was uh, provided there. And to give you some examples of things that we found, we found that um, in comments relating to consumer mixtures, PFAS manufacturing, and F gases, for instance, there was uh, hazard information more often than in, in other comments. And uh, we also asked about practicality. Uh, and this information about this topic was more prominent in comments relating to cosmetics and uh, textiles, basically. So there it was up to 25% of, of the comments.
0: What are the next steps then? I mean, I assume there's there has to be a need to th- look through the comments and uh, information that we got there uh, more thoroughly and and also to check whether there's any new information that we didn't already have.
1: We we approach this in a two steps approach. We have first to look into what we call a pre-screening. We have to uh, assign a specific comment to a specific sector to, to be sure that we are covering all elements. So in a way we look more a sort of quantity assessment, but now we have really to assess the quality of the information to go through it, and being sure that this is taken into account in the additional steps. This means also that the rapporteurs from the committees will have to scrutinize the comments and since this is a very broad uh, process, there is also a support group that has been established in the committee, and that's definitely to to help the work of the rapporteurs right.
2: And it's important to note as well that it's not just the rapporteurs who look at the comments and take them into account. Also, the five countries that submitted the proposal uh, will analyse them and they will take them into account uh, to update the initial restriction proposal. So basically, that uh, updated proposal will be the one that will be assessed by the committees, the one on which the uh, opinions will be made. Um, And and also, um, I would like to note that... um, there will be responses to the issues raised in the comments and these responses will be provided by the committees and also by the five countries who submitted the proposal that's important to 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 note that will be available for people to see how the information they provided was, was taken into account. Uh, at the moment, we have an initial analysis of the content of the comments, and that is, uh, will be published. Uh, but there will be in-depth sector and topic-specific analysis that will be developed um, alongside the opinions that, that will be uh, put together.
0: All right. Now um, I'd like to actually bridge from the PFAS um, side of the commenting to some questions that I have on the consultations themselves. Now, they're an important, crucial part of the REACH restriction process. Um, and after this, this kind of restriction proposal is submitted either by ECA or Member State, there's always a six-month consultation where anyone can have their say on the proposed restriction. So really to get input uh, from the field, so to speak, um, that we might not have uh, in order to make the, the, the opinion. Now, how do you see these consultations benefiting your work in the committees and the overall process?
1: Well, definitely they, they are really fundamental uh, I think this is about issuing scientific opinions that will result in regulatory action so we benefit a lot definitely from the input that we receive from those consultation they also have transparency so it means that we we receive input that maybe we're not expected to receive and it's also a participatory process because the consequences might be definitely wide-reaching so it's okay, I think that everybody has its own possibility to to, to say it, to intervene, but it's also enshrined in the EU principle. Um, And I have to say, often we get information that we were not able to collect ourselves. So I think I see this very positively.
2: Yeah, indeed, I would agree. I mean, it it is very beneficial to get this information. once the proposal has been made, then there are topics that uh, those who are commenting realize that are needed to be provided that maybe weren't provided when the, the, the proposal was being developed. And we really benefit from making sure that we've got everything that's, that we would need to assess the the proposal. So I would say that this really helps our work in putting together the opinions.
0: Okay, so clear that the the consultation is crucial and it helps to get new information. Um, what about then ensuring that relevant organizations or individuals, anyone who has input, um, how do we make sure that they are aware of the
1: consultation and can can participate? Yeah, maybe I can take this this first yeah, part at go least. On. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You start and, and I continue. Well, sure. It's about the fact that we have put in place. Um, in terms of participation to the works of the committee, the possibility for what we call stakeholders um, to input into the process. So they can participate into the plenaries and the working groups. They can provide observations, data, comment, and so that's definitely an important element in ensuring that the, the, the new information is well understood by the committee.
2: But it's important to remember that the main channel for bringing new information is the consultation. But as Roberto said, the participation in the plenaries is there to make sure that the committees have understood the information correctly. So that is that is also important to keep in mind.
1: And also this kind of podcast is one of the actions that we try to improve our communication. So. We try our utmost also to reach the, the the sectors and the actors that are not maybe very familiar with our process.
0: And I also understand that we promote these in in different channels, so different communications channels. We have direct contact with stakeholders, uh, we attend events to give presentations to highlight uh, restrictions and the possibility to to participate in the consultations. And of course, our stakeholders, I assume, also act as multipliers. So you know we work with these EU level umbrella organizations who have you know hundreds, if not thousands of members in some cases, and they help us also then to reach their membership, um, not to mention social media uh, promotion and, and targeting relevant sectors as well with these consultations. Um, Now, what about then the the, the kind of the next steps? How does the evaluation of this broad PFAS restriction continue?
1: Broad is the right word. I think we are approaching this step by step. So the next step will be the March plenaries. And uh, we will discuss some relevant consumer uses of this group of substances, such as cosmetic products, uh, ski walks, and other consumer mixture sectors that are relevant for this restriction.
0: Sorry, just ask, uh, why in particular those? Are they just examples, or is there a reason why we're focusing only on those?
2: This was some of the sectors that received the lowest numbers of comments. So basically for those, the proposal is ready to be assessed by the committees and we will be able to make it to March. It's important to us that uh, everything has been considered and that takes time. So it's simply taking things in, in an order that make it uh, basically practical for the committees to, to, to get to all of the sectors in, in the right order. So we start with those, but then from there we move on and then we evaluate all the different other sectors and we will take them in batches depending on when they will be ready to be assessed by the committees. Now, in terms of what comes next, we are in discussions with the five national authorities that submitted the proposal to see what is possible because they need to be updating the the proposal based on the information and uh, we need to see by when they will be able to deliver those updates. So, we are working with them very closely and we will continue to plan for the remaining sectors and timelines. We are not uh, we haven't got the information yet as to when they will come exactly, but this plan will be communicated as soon as it has been agreed.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. Very interesting. So a lot more information uh, to follow on this one. Now, maybe we continue with you, Roberto, and the harmonized classification for tea tree oil. This substance has several uses, such as fragrances, cosmetics, and cleaning product ingredients, and it's waiting for reapproval as an active substance for plant protection use. Now, it's used in fungicide products, for example, to control powdery mildew and gray mold in tomatoes and vineyards. Um, The active substances in plant protection products go through the harmonized classification and labeling process as they go to the active substance approval process. Is
1: that correct? This is indeed the case. And um, we work in the past to ensure alignment between what our sister agency, EFSA, the Food Safety Agency, and what ECA do. And we try to do this, of course, in in a regular manner. Um, the approval process for a plant protection product takes full into account the CLH procedure. So, in a way, they run in parallel, even if the timing is slightly slightly different. Right. So, what happens is a proposal is assessed by RAC, uh, taking into account the document that has been that are requested in the plant protection product. Those are called the draft renewal assessment report or any other information that is requested in, in this process. In parallel, we have what we call a CLH, so classification labeling and harmonized report. In this specific case of tea tree oil, a quite interesting substance, uh, this dossier submitter is Poland. And I think we should also remind that uh, CLH, so classification labeling and harmonized dossier, focus on hazards of the substance. So it's not about risk assessment, it's truly about what are the toxicological properties of the substance and what they can cause to human health or environment. And what is also interesting is that this could trigger what we call automatic consequences in other legislation, like in plant protection products or cosmetic products regulation. But of course, this is out of the remit of the committee and what ECA does. And what was
0: the proposal then and and, uh, the Risk Assessment Committee's conclusion on this?
1: Well, we had a quite intense uh, round of discussions. This took place first in the working group and then moved to the plenary. And as usual, we work on the basis of a dossier that is prepared by a dossier submitter, as mentioned by the Polish authorities. And um, to remark also that the substance didn't have a normalized classification. So it means that until today, uh, companies were supposed to self-classify the substance. So they would decide what is the most appropriate classification. If this process will um, finalized by the commission will um, result in a harmonized classification, it means that all economic operators in Europe will have to follow such a classification.
0: Okay, and and so the conclusion, the outcome, what was that?
1: The the outcome was uh, that RAC issued an opinion related to several other classes. Perhaps the most interesting one are related to scheme sensitization and the fact that substance has been found to potentially cause allergic reaction when they're used on the skin, but also reproductive toxicity, and particularly for the damages that could be created on fertility, or even on development, so suspected of damaging the unborn child. So they are both quite severe classification, and they could definitely trigger some consequences.
0: What kind of impact do you then foresee? Um, How long will it take for, you know, changes to be made and to have this classification implemented?
1: What RAC does is issue scientific opinions to the European Commission. And once the opinion will be transmitted, the European Commission collect all of them, usually once per year. And then they discuss these with member states. And the outcome of it is what is called an um, ATP, Adaptation to Technical Progress. It's really EU jargon, I have to say. So basically, it's a new regulation where they say that uh, this substance um, will be now included in a list of harmonized classification, and this will become obligatory at European level. So this process takes some time. Uh, and as I told you, it happens once per year. So we can expect probably that in roughly one year from now, such a proposal will be potentially approved and there will be some transitional period. But there is one element that uh, it's about the downstream consequences. You know, RAC does really the scientific opinion on the basis of the hazards. However, there are other regulations where um, automatic consequences can happen as a result of the classification that will be then agreed upon by the European Commission. And this can happen, for instance, in the plant protection products, where they have some cutoff criteria, uh, could even mean that the substance could not be marketed anymore. But of course, those are decisions that are taken in, in different environments. Cosmetic products, they have a very similar approach, where they take into account the harmonized classification to trigger potential consequences. But Once more, those are out of the remit of the committee, and even Oveca, so they are uh, really left into their respective legislation. But I think it's an important element on how um, to to show, actually, that what we do in in the agency and the committee can really trigger real effects in in the real life. And uh, therefore, I think what we do matters.
0: Thanks a lot, Roberto, and thanks a lot, Maria. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you both for your explanations and insight into the committee's work. So before we end, just a quick update on the Socioeconomic Analysis Committee's opinion on France's proposal to restrict creosote and its related substances. Now, we covered this topic in our September podcast, and the committee has now adopted its opinion. So the final opinion of both committees on this restriction will soon be sent then to the European Commission and published on our website. So you can find it there if you want to find out more. The next committee meetings take place in March next year. I'm really looking forward to having you both back then. We have one more episode coming up for you this year. It's on the results of an EU enforcement project that looked at products sold to consumers. Some interesting findings there, so do take the time to listen to that episode when it comes out. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science
2: on harmful chemicals.